Hello, I'm Rachel Richards, former BBC correspondent, parenting coach, mother of two teenagers and two older stepdaughters. Hi, I'm Susie Asley, mindfulness instructor and mother of three teenagers, two of them being twins. Now, before we begin, I just wanted to welcome all of our new listeners. Susie, you know, we are now being downloaded in 65 different countries. What? I know, I know. And a big hello to the large proportion of new parents who are in Dublin, Cape Town and Sydney, New South Wales. Amazing. Welcome. Yes, welcome. Coming up, we are going to chat about activities we can do with our teens that everybody might enjoy. (laughs) But first, pornography. There's nothing new about it. It's existed throughout recorded history. I mean, hundreds of sexually explicit frescoes and sculptures were found in the ruins of Pompeii. But since the advent of the internet, porn availability and use has skyrocketed. Now, a few figures. In 2019, the world's largest pornographic website, Pornhub, which is a kind of YouTube for porn, boasted of an almost unbelievable 42 billion individual visitors, averaging more than 115 million visits per day. Wow, that's a huge number. It's just just mind-blowing. And that's just one of the free websites amongst thousands that host this material. Surveys of adults in the United States have found that 46% of men and 16% of women viewed online pornography in the past week. Surveys of US adolescents found that 68.4% report exposure to online pornography. Now, this I didn't see a number and age for that. No. So, you know. Um, now, we hand our kids phones and computers and they connect to the internet some of them as young as eight or whatever age. And if we're diligent, we set up careful barriers to access. But let's be honest, they will soon work out how to get around them. Or, you know, your teen might be introduced to things you don't like by other teens forwarding material or gaining access because their parents aren't as careful. So you can't, you can't stop it. No. I mean, it's all out there. So what's the impact? Now, according to Peggy Orenstein in Boys and Sex, the boys she interviewed access porn regularly and found in real life, she calls it IRL sex, which I, I took, it took a while to understand, is in real life sex, hard to reconcile with those of the online porn they were viewing. Yeah. Um, and in a US survey, boys were found to be three times more likely than their fathers to have watched hardcore featuring triggering themes like BDSM, gang rape and double penetration. The boys then ended up worrying about the size of their penises and about whether they'd be able to perform the acts that they saw online. And then when they tried the acts that they'd seen online on a partner, uh, they were often filled with shame and regret because they didn't actually work out the way they thought they were going to work out. Mm. Because the problem is, of course, these people are acting. Yes. It's a... Yeah, because as you say, you know, pornography has been around since time began, but it's in such a different format now that it's it's a totally different world. You know, different world. Looking at a picture, which is 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 one thing, and and but then seeing something graphic um, is is another. And I um, think I think I think when they're young and they don't have any context, so this is their first experience. Because one of the things that uh, Peggy Orenstein pointed out was that you know most boys will be accessing pornography because they seek it out yeah. because well, it doesn't matter who you are boy girl if you hear a word and you think oh what's that mm. and then you type it into a search engine which actually happened to one of my children um you, you know this is completely innocent because yeah. they just didn't know what it meant and yet suddenly you're confronted with things that you really are yeah. not ready for and i think it's really important to differentiate between normal normal curiosity which every child and adult Mm -hmm. has you know it's sexuality is exciting it's it's 
exciting to explore it. What is it? What's going on? How do we do it? Looking at different bodies is is exciting. That's totally normal. And and, and then fun. on and fun, yeah. And at the other end is is then being confronted by you know hardcore porn, which can be violent, you know, toxic, have so much you know strangeness to it that is that's that's not normal. And differentiating between the two, we don't want to stop the curiosity and the fun part. We want to protect and take care of the stuff that maybe is toxic and damaging them. Absolutely. So the the problem we've got is we've got access to material. And how, what do we do about it? Mm. Um, you know, just in terms of some of the other things to unpack, what's worse is that some of the boys that were accessing this pornography were struggling to get excited by their real life partners because what they'd done is they'd been searching for, through these search engines, you can refine your searches for this very specific things mm. about bodies that you find attractive. And then the person you happen to be with doesn't have that thing. Yeah. And then it's not attractive. So, and because it rewires your whole feedback mechanism in your brain. Yeah. Also, Peggy Orenstein said that in terms of consent, well, all the boys she interviewed understood the need for consent. Many admitted to watching porn where the female actor resisted or was coerced before succumbing in pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) And actually for the girls that I've spoken to, I've got um, stepdaughters who are in their 20s now, so we feel more comfortable talking about um, sexuality and porn. And uh, it can be really off-putting because they don't want this stuff done to them. No, It, it becomes a kind of, I'm going to have to protect myself from some disgusting thing that these boys might experiment yeah. on me. And that's not what we want. We want our teenagers to take great joy in yeah. giving pleasure to somebody else and it doesn't have to be penetration. No. And I think if we can have conversations with our children, however awkward it is mm-hmm. <laughs> um, about it and, you know, emphasize that the pornography that they watch isn't a normal relationship. It's a it's a show. It's a it's a money making yes. yes. thing and it's graphic and it's often violent and not not a normal relationship and a normal relationship and a sexual relationship between two people is is either, you know, fun based or it's hopefully between for them you know in the future between two people who really love and care for each other and it's a really beautiful thing mm. um it's not just a physical act and i think the idea that you know sexuality is something that we have to be you know f- weird and funny about is so unhelpful it's a beautiful thing mm. <laughs> and i was talking to my my girls recently because there was a man that i'm on twitter i follow a lot of writers and he writes romance which is unusual for a man and mm. he sometimes Someone said to him, why? And he said, well, what's better than falling in love? Yeah. And I thought, gosh, you know, that's such an interesting point he's making. And why are we not talking more often about love and how beautiful it is to love somebody, whether it's your friend or your partner and, you know, just celebrating love so much more. We don't talk enough about it. It just ends up being reduced into something sexual, which is so depressing. Yeah, something sexual and something that, you know, we have to be very careful about. You know, sex education is about not getting pregnant. And, and, you know, well, how about we talk about how beautiful it is and how Mm. wonderful it is. And yes, of course, let's be careful and and do the things we need to do to take care of ourselves. But let's be the starting point be that the beautiful side of it and let sex be an organic part of something loving rather yes. than an add-on. Yes. And what interestingly, when I was doing this research, the thing the one thing that really struck me was when I was thinking about non-binary 
adolescents and how actually for them this could be a wonderful outlet because yes. being able to explore your sexuality in a, in a safe environment where you you haven't got prying eyes of your community checking you out yes. i can see that that would be a really positive thing so it's not all negative no. and being able to feel safe and comfortable doing that yeah. is good but it doesn't necessarily mean that it will remain safe because of course there are online predators and yeah things, you know so it's, it, it, it does have to be couched in those terms yeah and no, i totally agree it's you know curiosity finding out normalizing it for people who are you know uh, trans or you know different yes because i i read that one trans person was saying the problem is when you're an adolescent and you think well, you start thinking well how does how does this work how yeah. do i have a relationship with somebody yes. how does how am i supposed to have sex because yeah. all they they hear about is penetrative sex yes. and we need to sort of start talking about other ways of showing yeah romantic and loving sexual yeah. you know giving someone pleasure that isn't just yes. about what you're seeing in pornography yeah absolutely. and I, you know how i love i love my science so i did a little <laughs> bit of digging around on the science side and what i thought was interesting was a website which is called fightthenewdrug.org and the reason i like them was because you can see this information in other places but they described it so beautifully and it's you can show it to your teen so teenage neuroplasticity in our brains we talk about this all the time mm. because it's the, the biggest neuroplastic time of your life, adolescent years. Yeah. And the, the, our brains are brilliant because they will rewire and adapt to whatever we try and do that's positive. So deep inside that brain is the reward center. And it's, its job is to release the pleasure chemical called dopamine, which we've talked about a lot. Yes. In our screen. Yes. And our Social media. Social yeah. media stuff. Because that's that they work on all those feedback, the positive yeah, feedback loops. Hits. So the dopamine uh, comes out in response to behaviours that we perceive as positive. So and the dopamine says, Hey brain, let's do some more of this because it really feels good. So the brain rewires mm -hmm. around that and, and triggers you need to do more of it. Okay. Yeah. So it's very clever, but porn releases massive amounts of dopamine in the same way that a drug would release a massive amount of dopamine for people who are accessing it and it's pleasurable. Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Yes, and it floods the brain with these feelings of pleasure. And so the brain starts rewiring around it. And the, it will then create an endless feedback loop if you're not careful, yeah. because you will then have to seek that out again. Yes. And at the same time that this is happening, the prefrontal cortex, which we've talked about before, mm -hmm. which you know a lot about. Yeah. And what is it in a teenager? Well, it's just not really fully formed, particularly for the boys. I, I don't think it's fully formed <laughs> until they're 25. Yeah. And um, so and so these are the people who are the biggest users of porn. Yes. So in the prefrontal cortex, the job is to actually put the brakes on this yeah. dopamine feedback loop, you yeah. know, if because what it does is it looks and goes, mm, actually, that's not good for me. Yeah. And, and so that's why teenagers take loads of silly risks, because it's not formed, particularly the boys, which in the context of looking at dangerous porn is not a good combination. Yes. And we'll come on to why there is dangerous porn. Yeah. Because that's actually, when, when we say dangerous porn, you know, sort of really graphic, unpleasant yeah. things. What it can do is dysregulate that feedback system. So the the reason this is important is it can actually cause problems with getting arousal with a partner. Mm. If they've had to access porn to get that hit, then when they're with somebody, they don't get it. They're not going to get any no. kind of happiness out of it. So that's and that's really sad. It is really sad. It's the same as any stimulant, really, isn't it? The more the more you you use it, the more you need. Yes, absolutely. And studies show that changes in the transmission of dopamine can also facilitate depression and anxiety. Yep. 
which we know is such a massive problem now in our society. Compulsive porn users find themselves wanting and needing more porn. And it doesn't always happen in the same way that everybody responds differently to things. So some people might try a cigarette and they just say, no, I'm Mm. not interested. Some people start smoking and they find it easy to give up. And some people are instantly hooked. So you will get people who respond differently. Yeah, and that can be chemically based, can't it? But it can Mm. also be, you know, any addiction is is filling a need, filling a hole. And if you have that particular way, then, then watching loads of porn might be really appealing. And maybe then it's really difficult to stop. If they're watching it and they're finding it unpleasant, but they still feel the need to go back, mm. that's a key example of dysregulation, yeah. where you you now are in a feedback loop that's un, unpleasant yeah. and not helpful. Yeah. Pornhub analytics reveal that conventional sex is decreasingly interesting to users and is being replaced by themes like incest and violence. Gosh, that's interesting. It's really interesting. And psychiatrist Norman Doig, I think that's how you pronounce it, explains when pornographers boast that they're pushing the envelope by introducing new, harder themes, what they don't say is that they have to because their consumers are building up a tolerance to the content. Yeah, which is really scary, isn't it, when we're talking about our teenagers because then they're seeing these things that are not normal and they're, it's being normalised. So then, yes. as you say, they go out into the world and they expect to find that and that's not what they find. And then that leads to all sorts of problems with yes, their and partners. Shame. And, and shame. And yeah. the problems with the, the sexual functioning and yeah. even just being able to connect with the person because they don't think that that person looks the way that they yeah. should look. Or they get, you know massive insecurities about the way they look because not everybody looks like somebody in a porn movie. <laughs> exactly. But also, I mean, coming coming back to the incest thing, I yeah. had the most disturbing conversation with a woman, I mean, it must have been at least 10, if not, yeah, 10 years ago, say, when I, it was just a mother who was a policewoman and mm. she said, we are seeing increasing amounts of young adolescents coming in who um, have committed incest and they don't even know that what they've done isn't right. Gosh, that's shocking. Yeah. And so for me, that was one of those moments when I just gasped and I Mm. thought, gosh, you know, what are we, what are we doing by not having conversations about these things with our adolescents? We need to get on top of this. Yeah, because it's the conversation, as in all the topics we cover, it's the conversation that matters. It's how we how we approach it at home so that they they know that it's not normal um, is, is so helpful. They need to know that. And I think framing it in the sense that saying, OK, this is the number of people who are accessing this. So we're not saying you're there's nothing. You're not a bad person. No. You're doing what a lot of people are doing. Here are the problems with it yeah. in terms of how it's going to affect you. Yeah, because we don't want to we don't want them to feel shameful we want them to feel the opposite we want our teenagers to feel amazing about their bodies and amazing (laughs) about their sexuality we don't want them feeling wrong for it and I think particularly maybe in the culture we have here is is um you know, we're a bit, you know, we don't really like talking about sex, do yes. we here? And that's why I think the, the, the thing to do is come at it with numbers and yes. to science, because that removes the ick, the, yeah. the, the discomfort, I think. It always yes. does for me when I'm talking yeah. to my children, if I'm very matter of fact about it and say, OK, so here's what's going on with the rest of the world. Let's just talk about. Yeah. And we can say, you don't have to say, are you doing this? <laughs> so if you're going to have a conversation with a teen, the teen is never going to bring this up. They're not going to come to you and say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I've just been watching this porn. What do you th-? They're not going to say that. So you have Probably to. Probably not. No. Yeah. So you have to find it in yourself, yeah. dig deep and find the opportunity. Not once either. It needs to happen on a, you know, any opportunity you can find. Maybe even a car. When you're, you're driving somewhere, mm. you're not having to look each other in the eye mm. or when they're just about to leave and you can just have a quick 
you know, just short yeah. bursts so and with that the, they don't know, feel trapped. The presumption, you know, yeah, <laughs> the presumption that they, if they haven't seen gonna... it, they will. And if then, you yeah. know, that it's just, it's that, that side of it's normal. That's normal curiosity. But let's have a conversation about it and remind them that the sex that they see in, in porn is not normal, most of it, and having a loving relationship. So, you, you know, coming from a science point, I think that's brilliant. You know, biology, it's biology, a lot, of, mm. a lot of it. But also from a feelings perspective, you know, how do you want to feel with somebody? I love that, yes. How do you want to, ha- you know... That's the mindfulness one. That's the mind, yes. you know, that, or awareness of how do you want to feel. That Let that be your guide. Never doing something you feel uncomfortable with and, and giving them, you know, the confidence and the awareness to... If somebody has seen something in, in porn that they want to do and they think that's normal and it doesn't feel good, being able and confident enough to go, no, I don't want to do that. That mm. doesn't feel good. That feels awful. But you have to have an awareness of what feels OK and not OK as a starting block. Yes, I love that. And also if they say, no, but everybody's doing it, mm. you say, well, no, they're not because I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, it might be that way in porn, but that's yeah. not real. You, you you can say that. Look, you might have seen that somewhere, but yeah. actually that's not real life. or It's not real life for me. So no. I'm, I, and it, you know, if you have to say it's not, I'm not the right person for that, then that's yeah. fine. Um, because Which is and, hard as a teen. It's yeah, it's hard. hard. But, you and know, and it's really important. talking to them about them, talking to them about how a porn video works it revolves around a flimsy plot and a premise that quickly leads to sex the focus is almost exclusively on male pleasure mm. it's often rough different positions you know these men have stamina <laughs> <laughs> and the woman climaxes immediately yes. or almost immediately and she's having the best time ever Such and real these life. poor yeah <laughs> It's like, like that for me every night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, most porn actors are muscly and well-endowed. Yeah. Well, or they're not, and, and that's okay, but the women have to be gorgeous. Yeah. You know, and the, the poor girls who see this and think, oh, you know, what's wrong with my vulva because it doesn't look like that. Yeah, or, or my they breath, have to shave every my little hair. hair. You know, it's completely yes. unnormal. And also the idea, you know, the dark side, which is huge in, in the porn world, that, you know, a lot of, particularly the women, are, are you know, they're pretty much sex slaves. Yeah. It's it's hideous. It's it's so toxic. Yes, um, it's not real life in any in any sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, talking about the the things that you might find awkward to talk about, but that actually really really help. So, masturbation, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, boys talk about it freely; they're all at it. Girls barely talk about it ever. Yeah. I tried to have a conversation with my daughter about it <laughs> a while back and she was like, oh, mommy, that's disgusting. <laughs> and I said, I don't know, why, why is it disgusting? I mean, you need to understand how your body works and make yourself happy. And, yeah. you know, and I tried to, and I thought, well, maybe she's a bit young, but, but I will go back there. Yeah, and- but the emphasis being on, you know, that our bodies are beautiful and yes. they feel nice and, and, and celebrating that rather than making it weird. And-, and but talking to them about how, you know, it's actually really like, Go behind your door in your bath or in your shower or whatever and have a go without porn. So t- t- teaching your teenagers yeah. to find pleasure in their bodies without, because the problem is if you're always reliant on pornography to get you to that space, then that's when the dysregulation starts to happen. So you, you need to have a conversation with them about sexual desires and this the, the range of things that can give pleasure that are not penetration. Mm. I think it's starting starting small as well, and it all depends on our own our own comfort. You know how comfortable we are talking about 
sex at all um, and doing it in a way that feels comfortable so you don't have to sort of go jump in head first if that doesn't feel good because they'll pick up on that immediately and it'll just be weird for everybody mm. and also I, I mean I have two boys and I parent alone um, I'm not sure they'd want to talk about masturbation with me <laughs> <laughs> but I'm pretty sure how that conversation would go <laughs> but I could you know I, I can you know I can you know model that a, a body is 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 a beautiful thing that mm. it's you know it's um it's energy, isn't it? It's yeah. energy, and it's it's enjoying ourselves. But I also think that I also think that it's it can feel awkward, and the best person to give the the talk is the person who feels least least uncomfortable yeah. about it. But but it's also rather than saying you or I, if you say this is what most people, this yes. is what we're seeing from the statistics, this yes. is how. So if you take it away from the house and away from the family, and you just talk about it in generic terms, mm. it's much less uncomfortable and also just if they say so what do you do Mm. you just say it's not really appropriate for me in the same way that it's not appropriate for me to ask you detailed questions about what you're doing I don't want to pry but I want to talk about it in general terms yeah and from a feelings perspective from a feelings how do you want to feel how do do you feel about it that's really really good starting point so the other thing that's really important to stress is delaying exposure as long as possible because the average age that kids lose their virginity is between 15 and 17, but kids as young as eight have been given laptops and phones. And the later they're exposed, the better, because the longer they've had to develop uh, their prefrontal cortex and their understanding of love and, and affection and, you know, just sexuality. So tips for that are really things like keeping computers and devices in a public place downstairs, in the kitchen or wherever, and, you know, minimising the amount of time they're in their room with it. And also the the understanding that they, you know, they are going to be exposed to it. They are going to watch it instead of, you know, resisting that. Absolutely. And delaying it. Yeah, sure, if you can do that, brilliant. But because you can't unsee what you've seen, can you? Exactly. But but that they will be exposed to it. So having the conversations and and Mm. getting So they can frame it. Yeah. And also not overreacting. So if you, so I've seen instances where, you know, this mother walked in on her son with some quite aggressive porn Mm. and she was really upset and overreacted. And she said, I know I've overreacted and I don't know what to do. Um, It's really important that if we discover our teenager doing this stuff again that we need to be able to sit down and have a conversation about mm. it that's an, that's non-shaming because shaming yes. actually sends them more down that route yeah. um, because they feel so bad and they think there's something wrong with them but also just don't assume anything they may have been sent this stuff by someone else and actually the stuff that gets you know when my husband was at school they used to pass around whoever brought in the magazines yeah. they were you know kudos yes. and they'd pass the pictures <laughs> around and so you know what what happens is is usually the most extreme stuff that they're passing around can you see this yeah so if you if you catch your yeah. teen looking at something that's outrageous, don't assume. I think shame is such a, an important thing to mention here because um, if shame comes into which it often does in our society when we talk about sex, we we're not great. We're not that comfortable about talking about sex. So shame, we're often shamed into it, and that means that the conversation is shut down. But maybe more importantly, it it leaves the teenager or the person you're talking about. Um, talking to with with horrible feelings that there's something wrong with them or there's something wrong with sexuality that it just it just frames it in a really really bad way so not shaming them it's normal and 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 if we like encounter something that we find difficult to watch or we want to talk to our teen about it but we don't really know how to approach it 
I find I find it really useful just to ask questions. Like if I don't know what to say, great tip. Yes. I don't know what to say. Ask questions. So why are you watching that? You know, you know, just any any facts, any you know, anything. What what do you like about it? Any, anything, and that just sort of it opens the conversation as opposed to shutting it down, um, and then can lead you into having a proper conversation about it. Mm. And when it comes to things like non-binary. Um, sexuality the way that we can help both cis children and those people who are moving in those other directions is by stressing that you know these these norms of boy man girl you know man penetrating woman and woman on her back or whatever it is are only one way of a massive universe mm. of way of making someone feel lovely yes so what I think you, you're, it's a brilliant point you're making about how do you feel and that, you know, for people who are exploring their sexuality, there are so many different ways of feeling good. Yeah. Please don't limit yourself mm. and um, don't think that by talking about it, you're going to encourage them to be more sexual. What no. will actually happen is they will be more in tune with themselves and more likely to be more careful about the experiences they have because they'll be treasuring how am I feeling yeah they'll be more considered in whatever they do they'll be more thoughtful yeah I think that's always the fear is the fear oh if I talk about it then I'm condoning it and then then they're going to go and do it more but actually (laughs) what they're finding is people who are accessing porn tend to have riskier behavior because it's not contextualized and they're getting the sense everybody's doing this all the time and this is the way they're behaving And they're more likely to be sexting and they're more likely, you know, because they'll go, well, everyone's doing it. Yeah, no, talking about <laughs> it doesn't make it more. It makes, no. It's the opposite. No. When to get help. Um, if you've got a teenager who's avoiding making connections and developing any romantic relationships in real life, you know, it might be worth looking into whether they've developed some kind of problem because of watching, accessing porn, who knows. Um, if your child seems to be spending an inordinate amount of time with their laptop in their room and, uh, <laughs> you know, it might be worth, you know, actually broaching the the subject of online yeah. porn and whether they have got trapped in a cycle. Because these things can be fixed. But the sooner that you get in some help and you get them understanding that they're not broken, that they just need some support, uh, the better. If your child is quite young but starts talking about porn, you may well need to uh, step in because this could be a groomer. They'll show them things mm. that they're not ready for to see what their reaction is to sort of prime them. Yeah, that's so really important. It's that's really, really important horrific. to look out for that. So if you if you suddenly realise that your child's being a bit more sexual or they're saying, you know, it's worth just finding out whether something's going on there. Yeah, but you know, the whole time that with the with the talk of porn, having the context of its its it's natural, it's curiosity. Yeah. They're exploring. Let's make it fun and taking care and normalizing the normal stuff and and abnormalizing the abnormal stuff and they're aware of that yeah yeah have you discovered your teenager using porn i really recommend using the culture reframed website which i have got in the podcast notes for getting as much information as possible on how to navigate it and how to discuss it with your teenager i also came across a really interesting uh, blogger and she now has an instagram account and she has a book out and she goes by the moniker of la 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 let me explain great name (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, she, it's all about consent and about, yeah. you know, how to look out for the, the people who aren't very nice and aren't yeah. going to treat you well yeah. and to avoid them and how to find the people who are, you know, genuinely looking for connection. Yes. That wonderful word that you always use. Yeah. And consent always starts with knowing yourself and an awareness of what's OK and what's not mm. OK. If we don't know that, then it's really hard to judge. Yes. And it's hard to say no because you're mm. thinking, well, I don't know what I know. <laughs> So we'd love to know if you have any other things you'd like us to cover. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram and help at teenagersuntangled.com. And if you need any help with mindfulness techniques, then Susie's always available for online consultations as well as in person. Now, we've had a lot of parents saying that even when they're at home with their teens, they're struggling to find things to do together that everyone will enjoy. So we thought we'd talk about our own experience. <laughs> The, the joyous, happy, lovely times we have with our teenagers. Yeah, every day. Dancing through the meadows <laughs> with wildflowers. And yeah, and we've had some great feedback from some of our listeners. Yeah. So I, I put, we do actually have a Facebook page. It's a group. So just ask to join it. And, you know, it's not very active, but, you know, occasionally there'll be people giving advice and it's very useful to connect with people. So we've had Sarah, who said she really enjoyed walking with her yes. family. And that's very much the case with me. And it goes in fits and starts. So sometimes we're all really, really keen and then we're walked out. And actually dragging them out to do it can be, yeah. can be hard sometimes. But I've got the All Trails app. I really recommend it. It's fantastic because I think it covers the whole world because I've been in France and used it. And it will show you paths that you've never thought existed. Mm. And in fact, I found paths around my house during lockdown using this app, wow. which have changed our life and my dog walks. <laughs> And giving me some variety that I just didn't know existed. So I really, it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I have a word I use, it's nudging. <laughs> it's perfect, yes. Because I find with my lot, um, you know, sometimes they don't really want to do stuff. Um, so, for example, this weekend... Um, I wanted to go to the Bluebell Woods with um, my eldest was away and me and my partner wanted to go to the Bluebell Woods and they're stunning around here. And my two 14 year olds were like, meh, meh, not sure I really want to do that. And so I really nudged them, which meant that I kind of kind of made them, but in a sort of gentle pushing. Come on, come on, come on. Um, we took cakes. Snacks? Oh, cakes. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah, just take partner, bribes. Partner bought a lot of cakes and we sat in the woods. And when we got there, it was brilliant, which it often is. So there's the kind of the nudging to get them there and knowing they're going to enjoy it. Um, and, they, you know, they were climbing trees, running around like kids. It was lovely. And then we ate a lot of cake. Um, but then, you know, some days the nudging, you can feel when you're nudging them. Some days the nudging is like, OK, and you, you can feel that there's a chink and, you know, you nudge a bit more and they go and it's lovely. And then some days there's like, no, I really don't want to go. So the following day, we went to a, the craziest festival ever, which I highly recommend, <laughs> called Jack in the Green down in Hastings. Which um, is the south of England, for yeah, anybody. It's, it's, near, it's actually where there was a big battle that uh, yes. went on. Yeah, what happens is uh, Jack is, they're releasing, they're releasing summer and everyone's dressed in green and there's Morris dancing and it's mental, um, but really, really good fun. My youngest boy wanted to go, so we took him down. My daughter was like, no, I really don't want to go. I'm really tired and I, that looks really weird. And I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> and was she and, right or wrong? Oh, she was completely right and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she, you know, you could feel that that was that was not nudgeable, and yeah. I respected and that. That was not her thing. Yeah, not her thing. So she didn't have to come to that. Um, so it's picking picking the nudging moments, yes. and also bringing to the 
whatever you want to do, whether that's playing a game, making cookies, going for a walk, going on an expedition, whatever it is, making sure that you're bringing a good energy. Because yeah. I've found that if I'm not doing that, which happens, it's not fun for anyone. No. And then no one wants to do it again. And it's just, you're just doing it for the sake of doing it. We ought to be doing something together as a family. Yes. And it's not fun. So bringing an energy, and if you can't muster up an energy that day, then don't do it. Don't, don't wait, try it. Yes, wait, wait until, until yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And it's always me who has to bring the energy. <laughs> and my, I mean, I sort of bounced my husband into uh, a festival yeah, um, on the Isle of Wight, and we've never been to festivals. He's not a festival man at all. I have. I've been to Reading Rock Festival. It was the worst, worst day of my life. Not of my life, but it was the worst day of my adolescence, I think. Oh. And um, <laughs> it's just horrible. It's horrible. It's okay. just horrible. Because <laughs> I felt claustro- I felt agoraphobic, claustrophobic. I felt they, I was surrounded by people taking drugs and I didn't yeah. like the music. And, you know, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. No. But but I went to this festival because uh, there were several bands that we all said, yeah, we really like mm. that band. It was such a fantastic time. And we all, I think it, the sunshine helped. And my daughters have since talked about it many, many times. And they saying, what, we're festival girls now. We want to go to more festivals. And it really, really worked. Now, yeah. it's not the cheapest thing, but yeah. it's an easy way for your whole family to, it's a cheaper way of going and seeing a band than it yes. is going to see the individual bands yeah. because it's about all the other stuff. And we dressed up in Brilliant. crazy outfits. Yeah. And it was, it's just great so yes trying to whoever is in the family who might say well i don't that's not my thing you never know and coming on to that the games family games family games and it's the enthusiasm isn't it so whatever you bring you know whether it's games or a festival if you're enthusiastic about it they might think you're a nutcase which my kids (laughs) usually do or you know just dancing in the kitchen if you're enthusiastic about it it's contagious yeah they might think you know put a thumb and a finger on their you know loser the loser <laughs> thing which i often get <laughs> but it's kind of they, they're like oh let's join in a little bit yes and yeah, I, we play games sometimes. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, I remember wandering around the house going, oh, somebody play cards with me. Or somebody play cards. And nobody yeah. wanted to play cards with me. So that stuck in my mind. And then later, I was at a very wealthy person's house and the kids were all playing board games. I think they were playing Risk. And I thought, oh, this is what rich people do. And so I thought, <laughs> I, when I grow up, I'm going to play board games. <laughs> and, so, and so my family have been stuck with this attitude. So, you know... Um, they aren't a game family or they weren't a game family until I married into it. Mm. And I sort of bounced everyone into playing games at Christmas and it's now become a big thing. So we, our favourite games for people who might be interested are things like Perudo, Monopoly Deal, uh, uh, Monopoly generally, Ludo, Caton apparently is fantastic. I don't know that one. Well, we tried it and then it it wasn't that great. And then I've spoken to some parents who said, I'm meeting up with some other friends. We're going to play Caton. So these are adults. So the kids love it so much and the parents love it. That's got to be a win. Yeah. My kids often like the, yeah, I'm going to look up Caton. My Mm. kids often like the the classic, you know, the traditional ones that, um, that they know the rules to and they... That yes. they can do, yes. so that there's not too much. I mean, they're they're up for playing a you know playing a more complicated. I'll play game. a game, but I don't want to learn anything. No, exactly. <laughs> I want to just sit here and win yes. <laughs> and beat you. Yes. And there's, a, I think, there's one called the Game Break Great Britain. Oh, I think that's I might be brilliant. Oh, you love that? Well, I love that because you get members of the family who completely they gang up on each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's whoever's been the most cocky that it's day. Tribal. Yes, it is so much fun. <laughs> so yes, that's another good one. So those games. 
and, and cards. You yeah. know, why, like as a family, why don't we learn how to play poker mm. or chess? Or yeah. those games can be really. Yeah. The, the problem with chess is it's one to one, so it's yeah. less. But the game thing is also. I mean, I remember in lockdown when we had some stuff with my eldest back, and and there wasn't a massive amount of extra energy around. We kind of were stagnating, and um, I remember suggesting games, and, and nobody wanted to play, and I didn't really want to play. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, we probably should be playing games. Everyone's playing games. It's lockdown. <laughs> And then I We've remember, all been there. yeah, I remember just going. Do you know what? I can't really be asked. Let's just watch telly. And then when you know, then we had more energy afterwards, and you know, the world looked a bit different, and we didn't have any back problems and all of the things that were weighing down. Um, then it's fun, and then yes. everyone's like, "Yeah, let's play." So you pick your moments. Yes, and I love Jess's comment because she said she said they love going caravanning, and everybody in the family pulls together, and they all got their little yes. jobs. And she said, you know, no matter how much they've been bickering, when they all go caravanning, yes. and then she wrote back and said, actually, it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I felt so sorry for poor Jess because I was my heart was there for her. I was thinking yeah. that sounds great, yeah. um, but it can really work. So it just yeah. sometimes sometimes it doesn't, and that's okay. Move on yes. and just try again. And I have found that I think what we do as adults we is we think okay, there's the jobs, and then there are the teenagers, and we forget that when they were little, they really wanted to do the jobs and. There's, there's a sort of disconnect as they become teenagers with, uh, well, what do you mean you want me to do a job? Yeah. But I think part of that is because we say, right, you go and do this cleaning mm-hmm. the loo and you go, like you think they're going to like it. But mm-hmm. actually, I've started doing projects. So, for example, we have this little square pond that's left over and it's horrible and it's full of weed. and it's, But it's got some lily pads in it. Mm-hmm. And we've got another pond that's a natural pond nearby. And I called my daughter out and said, oh, please, can you help me? And we pulled this in massive, massive lily that was all grass growing into mm. it and pulled it all apart, cleaned it down and put it into the other pond. She told me, I love that, mummy. Amazing. That was so much fun because we were doing, we were working together. Yeah. And she, every time she sees that lily pad, now she knows that we did that. Yeah, and lovely. also we plant seeds together. So I'll say, right, I bought these seeds. Let's go about planting them and mm-hmm. we figure out where they're going to go. So anything where I think we underestimate the benefit of doing a job together. Yeah, I think you're right. And that they do want to know how to do stuff. But it's the way if we tell them they've got to do it, it's yes. not very appealing. But if you're going to so even assembling a wardrobe or just yeah. anything where you put them in charge and say, yes. hey, hey, let's, I'm your, you know, I'm your staff. How yeah. are we going to do this? Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I, my eldest, I remember teaching him how to do IKEA furniture and sort of presenting it to him that's, as, that's a as, as a life skill. <laughs> like you need to know yeah. how to do this. And he, I mean, it's a bit like Lego, isn't he? He, he loves it. Um, yes. But it's also finding out what, what makes your kid tick. Mm. Like if I want to do something with my eldest, then... It has usually involves food, preferably junk food, mm. and then he'll pretty much come along. Interesting. My daughter likes going shopping, or some of the nicest times we've spent together are just lying in a, this cheap hammock I bought on Amazon. It's lovely. We just lie there and muck about. Um, it doesn't have to. Can I come? That sounds yeah. great. <laughs> and the dog tries to get in and gets out. It doesn't have to be like no. an activity per se. It mm. can just be hanging out in the way that you know that your kid likes. Mm. My young, my youngest boy is sort of he's more friend oriented, but he loves he he loves playing board games actually. Or or he'll still dance in the kitchen. I really hope he's never going to hear this because <laughs> <laughs> he listens to grime music and he was trying to teach me right. how to dance. 
to grime. Now that, is, that would be a great thing. Whatever dance they're doing on TikTok yeah. or whatever, yeah. try and learn it. Yeah. Like, I love shuffle and I just, I can't do it. I'm terrible. Yeah. But I, I just look at it and think there's so much it's joy cool, in that. Yeah. So, so, and it's hilarious for them. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe they just think you're a loser if you try it. But yeah. it's worth a go. It's fine in the kitchen, I find. Yes. If you start doing it in a traffic jam <laughs> on the motorway, then you are not popular. <laughs> and I saw, I saw one uh, woman on, uh, she's a DJ actually, and she's, I, I love her because I love her spirit and she shuffle dances and I love shuffle dancing and uh, she just got up and did a shuffle dance on a table in a ski resort and said at the end of it she said I hope this encourages all of you to try this you know get up (laughs) on the table and dance and I thought yeah I would be off that table on the floor within seconds trying that it just wouldn't look good and my family would never talk to me again (laughs) never again my my daughter has actually looked up at me dancing on a table and saying mommy can you just get down right now yeah please never do that again (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then you know you're winning right so yeah, <laughs> and and Jess also said that uh, you know her family love having guests around so they love doing that whole like the family let's plan for it you know what are you going to cook how should we yeah. decorate the house what should yeah. just these these sort of get together things yeah. that feel really joyous yes and and also maybe also just having a look at our expectation can yeah. be helpful as well because we often have this expectation that, you know, we ought to be doing family stuff. We hear other people, even just the stuff that we have just said mm. that, you know, I do stuff with my teens. I do not do that every day. No. And, you know, it's a it's an occasion thing and, and we don't have to be doing this stuff all the time. So, mm. you know, not feeling bad if our teenagers tell us to get lost when no we come absolutely but just you know grabbing the moments when when and if they arrive no and actually the natural thing that we've we slipped into is my older daughter really enjoys cooking mm. and she loves that I allow her to experiment yes. in the kitchen and so we're in the kitchen together I'll cook things she'll cook things and we're just side by side yes. working together lovely and the other daughter I've now started walking the dogs to the train station that she comes to when yes. she comes back from school and we walk all the way home yes. and it's just chatter yes and it's I do very that in the free. morning with my kids you do it's just with for the, five with, minutes with the, ch- the kid who's running ahead and the kid yes. who's behind <laughs> and then I walk with him and he's dropped something or has to go back for something (laughs) and the dog doesn't know who to walk with (laughs) that's really funny that's really funny we'd love to hear any other suggestions because this is a continuous problem for everybody I think it's the means of connection so sometimes you have to generate these things sometimes you can fall into them naturally but they're always worth pursuing yeah and if you're not sure what to do something like just doing what you know what what are you doing can I watch yeah and if you're gaming, can I watch? Can I can I join yes. in? And yes. They might go no. They might go yeah. And then you kind of can have a conversation about it. Yes. Or just whatever series they're watching on TV. Yeah. Just sit down and watch it with them, yeah. so that you've got something that you've shared together. Yeah. Well, that's it for now. We'd love to hear about your favourite games and activities that can be shared with teenagers. Next time, we'll talk about teenage anxiety. There have been reports of a massive rise in it. So, what's behind it? What can you do as a parent? Also, setting rules in your home. How do you go about it when dealing with a teenager who's challenging them? And what consequences should you put in place if your teenager breaks them? Well, I can't wait to discuss that one. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a really fun one. And I do think, think, you know, looking at the way governments work, um, whenever they try and put new laws in place, they always have to think about how people are going to skirt their way around the laws. So it's a a natural human tendency to look at a rule and think, well, how do I get what I want out of that? And we have a tendency, don't we? There are four tendencies. Maybe we can talk about them. Oh, have we? You can tell me. Me all about that yeah, thank the, you particular rule breakers i want to hear about yeah, that yeah. that's going to be next week that's it for now we hope we've given you some helpful advice good luck 
with the negotiating who has those talks with your teams. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye for now. 